Good morning, Sis Sylvia and brothers and sisters in the Dhamma. Before we start, let us do the chanting and puja. Okay, let us pay preliminary homage to the Buddha. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Okay, please put your palms together to take part in the offerings to the Buddha. The offerings of the five items allows us to express our gratitude to the Buddha and serves as a symbol to help us remember the teachings. Um, please don't join wholeheartedly, <laughs> but quietly and read the verses together softly. Offering of Light Light symbolizes wisdom. May the light of Dharma dispel the darkness of ignorance. Offering of incense. Incense symbolizes the fragrance of pure moral conduct. This reminds us to cultivate good conduct. Offering of water. Water symbolizes purity, clarity, and calmness. It reminds us to practice the Buddha's teachings, to cleanse one's mind, which is full of desires, ill will, and delusion, to attain the state of purity. Offering of fruits. Fruits symbolize the ultimate fruit of enlightenment, which is our goal. They also remind us that all actions will have that effect. Offering of flowers. Flowers symbolize impermanence. The freshness, fragrance, and beauty of flowers are impermanent. This reminds us that we should all live in the present. Remembering thus, we should reduce our craving and attachment. Salutation to the Triple Gem. Let us pay respects to the Triple Gem. Arahang Sama Sambuddho Bhagawa Buddhang Bhagawantang Abhiwademi Swakato Bhagawata Dhammo Dhammang Namasami 
Supatipano Bhagavato Sawakasango Sangang Namami Going for refuge, let us chant the verses for taking the three refuges. Buddhang Saranang Gachami Dhammang Saranang Gachami Sangang Saranang Gachami Dutiyampi Buddhang Saranang Gachami Dutiyampi Dhammang Saranang Gachami Dutiyampi Sangang Saranang Gachami Tatiyampi Buddhang Saranang Gachami Tatiyampi Dhammang Saranang Gachami Tatiyampi Sangang Saranang Gachami The five precepts, we chant these verses to observe the five precepts. Panatipata Veramani Sikapadang Samadhyami Adinadana Veramani Sikapadang Samadhyami Kami Sumichachara Veramani Sikapadang Samadhyami Musavada Veramani Sikapadang Samadhyami Sura Miraya Majapamadatana Veramani Sikapadang Samadhyami Recollection of the Buddha, let us recollect the sublime qualities of the Buddha. Itipiso bhagava arahang samma sambuddho vijjacharana sampanno sugato loka vidu anuttaro purisadhammasarati satta deva manusanam Buddha Bhagavati Recollection of the Dhamma Let us recollect the sublime qualities of the Dhamma Swakato Bhagavata Dhammo Sanditiko Akaliko Ehipasiko Opanaiko Pachat Recollection of the Sangha, let us recollect the sublime qualities of the Sangha. Supatipano Bhagavato Sawaka Sango Ujupatipano Bhagavato Sawaka Sango Nyaya Patipano Bhagavato Sawaka Sango Samichi Patipano Bhagavato Sawaka Sango Yadidang Chatari Purisa Yugani 
ตาปุริสัพุกาลาเอสะบากวัตโตสาวะกสังโกอาหุเนโยปาหุเนโยตักิเนโยอันจาลิการณิโยอนุตารังพุญญาเคตังโลกาสัตติสาดุสาดุสาดุ Let me do a small introduction, but I'm sure Sis Sylvia needs no introduction. Today's talk will be merits transforming mind and life. Those who do not know Sister Sylvia Bay, she has dedicated herself to the study and practice of the Buddha's teachings since 1992. She holds a BA honors in Buddhist studies from the Buddhist and Pali University of Sri Lanka, and was a lecturer with her alma mater. Since 2001, Sister Sylvia has been a regular speaker on Buddhist doctrines. And their practical applications at various Buddhist organizations. In 2013, she published her first book, Between the Lines, an analytical appreciation of the Buddha's life. She is now working on another book titled Towards the Light: The Buddha's Guide to a Heavenly Rebirth. Over to you, Cecilia. Okay. Um To start by doing a little bit of calming of the mind, it's going to be a short one, mainly because the talk today it's going to be a really long one. So we're going to start by just a short sitting. It's not, I won't call it a meditation. It's just calming down the mind, feeling a little bit more relaxed, peaceful, joyous. Then we start. Okay. So, can I invite everyone to just close your eyes, sit comfortably, just close your eyes, and follow. Um, if you can, just follow what I say. As you sit there, you will feel contact points, meaning. When your palm touches, touch each other. You will feel your buttocks on a hard surface. The back, perhaps, against the chair. I want you to just feel, feel the contact points. The mind. Observes contact points. Simple points. Scan it. Be aware of the points. Feel yourself relax. The mind should be relaxed. Enjoy observing the body. As you scan through the body, 
as you scan through the body, become aware of your breathing. Become aware, it's rising, falling. Rising, falling. This is just breathing. Breathing is natural. It's a natural mechanical process. No need to push it, let it be breathes on its own, your body breathes on its own. As you quietly observe the breathing in the background, just natural and gentle, you may feel, you may feel quiet contentment. If you feel it, Give thanks. Give thanks for the fact that your mind can quieten down and you experience this little peace. It's a beautiful sensation on its own, feeling of peace and joy arises spontaneously on its own. No need to pull it up. You just have to let be. As you feel this joy, this little quiet, peaceful joy, as you feel it, say in your mind, I wish that all my loved ones will also be able to experience this peace and joy someday. May all beings, wherever they are, also be able to experience this joy and peace someday. This is pooling of meta and sharing of meta. Wishing everybody well. This should be a regular daily practice in life. Extending this joy good wishes to every being. Should wish all beings well. Now, you can come off the meditation slowly, but as you come out, say, the merits of 
this moment's practice, in just the short period of practice, I want to share these merits with all sentient beings. As you come out, you see that. And we are, when we are all ready, slowly, you don't have to hurry. Slides haven't turned on yet. As you're, when you're all ready, I will start. I will, I will watch out for you. When you're ready, we'll start. Okay. Are there people coming? All right. Good morning, everyone. So nice to see all of you again. I know it's a very small group. It's a very small group, but it's okay. This is, this is wonderful already. And I, I wish for all of you a good day and joyous listening. Okay? I, I hope it's joyous listening. Right, we shall start. Today's talk... Merits, transforming mind, and transforming life. You know, for those of you who have listened to my talks before, you may notice that I've never spoken on this topic. I don't believe that I have. And today, I'm doing this at the request of a very good friend and a fellow practitioner, he said, I, I know he doesn't want me to say his name, but he insisted that I should say something about merits because it's such a critical, critical topic. It's really critical. And I went, yeah, 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 I'll think about it. But, you know, I never say no to him, so I spend the next many, many moments doing research, very extensive research. And I come out with this presentation, which is really only a small sample, very small sample of the, the amount of suitors, these causes that cover this topic. If you go on to Sutta Central, you type in the word merits, 508 will come out. Today, we are using 20 suitors. That's why it's a very long talk. I'm using material from only 20 suitors. So you just imagine how much more I am not able to bring up. If we were to do justice to this topic, it may well be a one-week course just to talk about this, this subject. I say in my first line that it's a controversial topic mainly because of our society. Our society, Western-educated, very much schooled in science, and we don't accept anything unless we, we, we have concrete empirical evidence. So this is, this is our world. In a different world, in a different society, when people are very comfortable with what has been taught and they embraced it, they have no problem accepting this notion of merits. Right? For most of us, we go, 
Yeah, 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 we hear you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure it's important. Yeah, I'm sure it's important. But I don't know how it works. So you may have, in, in varying degree, in varying degree, you will have people in our society going, yes, I agree, absolutely, to, I don't know how about to think, I will just accept it as a concept taught by the Buddha, and then we leave it at that. So you, this is a spectrum of people that you will find here in this society. And you see what I say here, majority, if not most Buddhists, if not most Buddhists, do acknowledge. Even for the ones who are skeptical, they say, yeah, yeah, I think it's important. So they acknowledge it's important because the Buddha emphasized so much on it. But not many people actually know exactly what he said. Exactly what he said and how he said it. So today, my talk has a very modest goal. Remember I said only 20 suttas, not 508, only 20. So very modest goals, very modest. I hope that I can help dispel some wrong views. Just hope, just hope. Huh? Dispel some wrong views. Hopefully set right for some, hopefully for some, if not most of you, set right understanding, help you to understand it properly and in context and answer questions, okay? And the material found here in this talk, most, as in 80%, will be from the Buddha's own words. So we're taking from suttas. The 20% is me explaining further what's written in the suttas. I said we're employing a FAQ style, meaning to say you will see a questions above and then the answers below. I, I, I'm hoping that that would help people appreciate, because if the questions are similar questions that you're asking, then you will say, ah, oh, I see the answers, I like it, or I don't like it, whatever it is. Huh? And now there are one, two, three, four, five color, four colors here at the bottom, right? Translation by Bhikkhu Bodhi is in that color, Cyan. Achan Sujato is in another color, John Ireland, a third color, and Tiero Kiribagoda. Now, why so many colors and so many translations? I, I pick the ones that I know, I mean, from my own sense, it, it seemed closest to the Pali, Pali canon, as well as in some cases, there's only one translation anyway. So you take it or leave it. In some cases, only one translation, okay? So hence, it's going to look like that. Huh? You will see that my, my screens can be very colorful. So the first set of questions we ask is this, are these. What did the Buddha teach about merits? How important are merits? Why do we need merits? Uh -huh. Then somebody will say, why so many questions? Because we only have this amount of time, we have to cover the ground as much as possible. From the Buddha's own words, own mouth. In Anguttara Nikaya 5.36 timely, Buddha said, merits are the support for living beings, 
when they arise in the other world. This line, by the way, was not found only in this sutta. It's also found in a few other suttas. I just wanted the one where it is said in his words, because in, some, in another sutta, it's part of a verse. We're not sure whether it's the Buddha who said that, or the Devas who said that, but this one came from the Buddha. It's attributed to him. Okay? Now, this sentence, the statement by itself seems relatively straightforward. Be merits are the support for beings as they arise, when they arise. But if you dissect it carefully, there are two points there worth highlighting. Clearly implied here, if you believe in rebirth, clearly implied here is merits play a significant role in the rebirth process. Bear this in mind. Many of you here are young. So when you hear the word rebirth, you're not so impressed. But this, unfortunately, or fortunately, it's a natural process of life. A day will come where we will move on. We will finish this life. So knowing this is important. Okay? And more importantly, more relevantly for the ones here, is that marriage sustains life and all that is important in life. Support, foundation, support, foundation, all that sustain life and all that is important. He made an, a similar point in another sutta to two Brahmins, elderly Brahmins, and this time, this cute little sutta, these two men actually said, we haven't done anything much, anything wonderful, anything outstanding. I changed the words. In black means those are my words. Outstandingly wholesome. And they said, we are old. Could you teach us something that will lead to our welfare and happiness for a long time? And you look at, this was said in a stanza. Life swept along, Short is a lifespan, no shelters exist for one who has grown old. Number one point, the first line means life will just flow and it's not long. This is something that the regular mind happily, almost instinctively ignore. None of us, unless, unless you have been diagnosed with a terminal illness, and you are like 90 years old, and you go, yeah, 90 is kind of old. Unless you are at a stage where you are basically confronted with mortality in your face. Otherwise, our instinct is just ignore it. Just to ignore it. But here the Buddha is making a point that life is just a flow. It is so fast. There is no way you can hide from the ravages of life. And it's just there, one line. Second line, note the word, seeing clearly this peril in death. So if you are very conscious of mortality, so you're not living in ignorance, you're not living in negligence, 
but you are living with clarity on what is life and how precious this life is, then you should do merits that bring happiness. Just one sense, just one phrase. If you have clarity as to mortality, then naturally you want to do good, not evil. You want, to do, you want to do well, wholesome, not unwholesome. And you think about it. If you look at your own life, right, isn't that what it is? Every time you recall mortality, you will say, I will not quarrel. I will stop the fight. But when you are not mindful of mortality, which we most typically, we, we are not, then you will fight to the death over the spot in the queue. Someone cut, your, cut into your lane when you're driving, you will fight to the death because it's so important that you stay ahead by one second. Do you see what I'm saying? So here he said, seeing clearly this peril of, in death, we will do merits, deeds of merits. Next line, when one departs this life, self-control over body, speech and mind, the deeds of merit one deed while living, leads to one's happiness. So there are two parts. Huh? The first part, he emphasized the word happiness twice. Notice that? So in this tensa, just by this tensa, the Buddha is saying, you want to be happy, you have to do merits. You have to be meritorious in life. You want to be happy, you have to, have, you have to be meritorious wholesome just two lines wholesome meritorious for happiness in this life and then the next one meritorious and wholesome for happiness in the next one stanza Buddha sum up the importance of merits I'm not done yet You will find in many suttas frequent mention of merits affecting rebirth and life's endowments. Okay? This sutta, in Itiwutaka, Buddha's words, thus said, 1.22 meritorious deeds, the Buddha said to his monks, be cool, do not fear meritorious deeds. This is an expression denoting happiness. What is desirable? Wish for, dear and agreeable. They all seem similar in meaning, but there is, as always, when the Buddha used words, pay attention to the words. First one says happiness. Second one said what is desirable. Meaning, when you, with the second one, what is desirable, it merely means when everyone look at it, they like it. It's a, it's a general consensus. This is good to have. Everyone will agree. Wish for is personal. You wish for it. So you will find that in life, what is desirable in life? Life. Some sort of longevity. Right? 
What is desirable? Some sort of longevity. Success. Material success, spiritual success, relationship success, success. Looks. I mean, who really wants to look really stolen? <laughs> right? I mean, everyone wants to look. I mean, of course, the better, the better. Huh? The better you look, the better it is. But generally, we want to be at least content. Right? Yeah, it's normal. So, so this thing about desirable is more consensual, but wish for is more personal. I mean, some may wish for a good marriage. Others say, why married? Okay, go to do something else. So wish for. Dear and agreeable brings pleasure. You find meaning in it. So he encapsulates the desires of men in that description. And meritorious deeds means all of the above. For I know full well that for a long time I experienced A, B, C, D, E from often performing meritorious deeds. Oh, <laughs> read it for yourself. Direct correlation. Now, the point here seems to imply that there is a direct correlation between meritorious deeds and happiness, life successes, capacity for enjoyment and fulfillment, right? That, that line seems to imply that. This is the sentence that I want you to reflect on. If, if meritorious, being meritorious, doing meritorious deeds will lead to you, to the individual, experiencing everything that's beautiful, everything that's desirable, wish for, then the converse means, what if you don't do enough? What if we don't have merits? What if we are not nice? We spend a whole day grumbling, complaining, writing feedback. What if we are like that? Does that mean, therefore, that you will feel a lot of obstacles in life? that you will then be unhappy as a person. Now, put the signs aside and you ask yourself this. Every time you are unwholesome, you are discontent, you are agitated, you are unhappy, right? Just like that, you are unhappy. And even if you get what you want, there is the element in you that says, not enough. I'm not content, not enough. And as long as you're not content, you're not happy. You will feel unfulfilled. Fair? So, even, even if you are still saying marriage don't matter, even if you're still saying that, just bear this in mind. From your own personal experience, when the mind is unwholesome, the mind is not capable of experiencing happiness, pleasure, joy, sense of fulfillment, and so on. That's the science for you. But we are taking this beyond just that level for the rest of us who have no doubt in the Buddha's words, then bear this point 
in mind. You want to have done enough merits, wholesome deeds, to bring for yourself that happiness, that joy, the sense of contentment, fulfillment, and so on and so forth. For this life, and for the next. If up until this point you have not done enough, or you feel you have not done enough, you have life. Life in itself is a blessing. Life in itself is meritorious. Otherwise, you will not have a human life. So you have life. Do start from today. Do. That's all. Uh, I will be explaining what are meritorious deeds, but let's later. We are still at this point, huh? What did he teach? Why? How? How important are they? Why do we need them? Here are specific examples in the sutta where he explained specifically what merits deliver. So the first one from a sutta in Anguttara Nikaya, Book of Eight Point Three Six, grounds for making merits. He said this. Those are his words. Merits are the black words are mine. Merits are acts that impact, and the words are lifespan, beauty, happiness. Biko Bodhi translated it as glory. Ajahn Sujato calls it fame. I put both there. Authority and capacity to enjoy form, sound, orders, taste, and touch. First part. The first part, lifespan, beauty, happiness, fame, and authority, is one set that generally Buddhists have an idea of. You've done enough merits. You live a long life. If you kill life, taken life, your life will be short. If you're always angry and always scolding and always agitated, you ain't going to be a beauty contestant. Okay, your your physical beauty will suffer. You want to be happy. You have to have be meritorious,、uh, and so on and so forth. The second part, you may not realize, capacity to enjoy, meaning to say, if you had not done enough merits, even if you live in the lap of luxury, you cannot enjoy it. You don't know how to enjoy it. And for those of you who are familiar with Buddhist history,、uh, Buddhist stories, you will know of this man. Born in the life of the Buddha, he lived like a pauper, and when he died, because he had no heir, his property was confiscated by the state. The king found that this guy was a millionaire, a millionaire incapable of enjoying his mountains of wealth. And we know, in real life, there are people like that. They are more happy about the digits in their bank account than actually tasting life pleasures. They don't know how to do it. Okay, and this is what the Buddha said. This was what he said: merits necessary for you to be able to enjoy, to taste, form, sound, orders, smell. Form, sound, smell, taste, touch, sense, pleasure. Second example, 
marries an able one to be reborn in the land of peace and security. Therefore, you have all done merits in a different time to be here. Buddha said, "The wise person is reborn, is reborn in least in an untroubled, happy world." Iti Wutaka, three point six grounds for making merits. This one, which is very cute, was what he said to monks. He actually told monks, "Bikus," and then he went on explaining merits helping a woman be reborn in a good family, married well. Have children can control her husband, and I use the word need not deal with co-wife because the Buddha. Because you see, in the time of the Buddha, it is very common for men to marry more than one wives. So in this sutta, actually, what he said was the woman may say, "May I be? May I marry into a suitable family?" In the sutta, "May I marry into a suitable family?" May I have children? May I be in a family where there are no co-wives, meaning monogamous marriage, which is a rare thing. Today we don't have it here. The law will come after you, man. Huh? But but in the old days, the law approved of polygamy. So here you have a wife saying, "May I not have?" To live under the roof with a co-wife, and finally, the final one was, "May I?" And the specific word was, "Master my husband." I thought it's not so polite. I changed it to control her husband. But imagine this: your life lot, the kind of things that can come to you. Buddha said, "Depends on your merits." So, what's the answer? Answer to the above FAQ: Merits are very real and are critical to happiness and life successes. Okay. So, reasonable case built from the suttas. Huh? Now, next question: How does it work? Born in born in the age of science, we always ask this question: How does it work? Explain to me. That we don't know how it works specifically, we, that we cannot conceive the science. I'm very specific here. It's not that we don't know how it works, because I will show you. You you notice that the words are all on one side, because there's another sutta coming out on the on the right side. That we cannot conceive the science. That we cannot imagine. Doesn't mean it's not real. Fair. It's a fair point. If it were real, and you don't believe, and you don't do a thing, you are in trouble. That's all I want to say. Okay. The second point is, and this is very important, merits. The idea of merits, merits, is actually very tightly interwoven with the choices. Kama here means deliberate choices. Volitional choices. So kusala akusala kama means the wholesome or unwholesome decisions and choices that you make. 
Very wholesome mind, merits. Very unwholesome mind, demeritorious. The more joyous you feel, the more meritorious that wholesome act. This point, please remember, you do dana, you don't go do dana and grumble. So fussy, must eat like that, da, 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 da. Don't do that. You do dana, it's your meritorious opportunity. Do with all the joy you can master. Want to give? Give. Better not to give if your mind is going to complain. But if you want to give, give with all your heart and joy. Okay? Now the sutta. This sutta is called the Kinna Vibanga Sutta. It's in Majima Nikaya. It's a beautiful sutta, really long. I will tell you the story at the end. But right now, you just know this, this stanza. When an ethical person, meaning a good person, now this is Acha Sujato's translation, he calls them ethical. When an ethical person with trusting heart, meaning sadda, faith, no skepticism, no skepticism. This point is important. You see, sometimes when we give something, there is a part in us that say, how are they going to use my money? Hmm? Can I trust them to use it correctly? Hmm? Uh, that is no trusting heart. You give, you give with faith. So with trusting heart, gives a proper gift, proper gift, not recycled gift. You give a person a gift that you want to give properly. Don't, oh, oh, I need to give a gift and, yeah, this one I never use. Duh. Not like that, okay? Gives a proper gift to an unethical person. So this is your regular mind, but below national average. Okay? Below national average. Trusting in the ample fruit of deeds, meaning when you give, in you, you say, I give lah, that's all. It's a giving that counts. Ah, like this, huh? right attitude, right, right, um, right perspective, you give, that gift is purified by the giver. You, yourself, when you give, this gift is fruitful. It has merits because you are meritorious. You are wholesome. So when you give a gift and you are wholesome and your perspective is correct, you, you, you don't think too much, you just feel the joy and you gift, by that gesture, the gift is purified, meaning it will come to fruition. It will come to fruition. doesn't matter who you give it to, because your intention is pure, your mind is pure, your gift is pure, it is meritorious, you will get the result. Next one. Unethical, untrusting person gives an improper gift to a good person. So, this time, reverse. The person giving the gift, I don't want to say you, lah, the person giving the gift, he's not nice. And what it means by uh, improper gift is maybe 
He gave a gift hoping to look good. It's for fame. Maybe he gave that gift hoping to win favor from people. So there is lust in his intention. The gift is not pure. Improper means the gift is not pure. You give with intention, not pure. And not trusting in the ample fruit of this. He didn't even believe that by giving, he will get merits anyway. He doesn't, yeah, I'm giving. His idea of gains is immediate gratification. I give you, you smile at me, you say I'm a very good person. Everybody see I'm a very good person. My name in neon lights up there. Sri Liao, I'm happy. This is what it means. All the wrong reason for giving. But the person receiving it is pure. He's a good man. He's not greedy. Even his stick. Okay? That gift is purified by the receiver. The person who receives. So the gift also has merits. Has fruits. The guy who is unethical also receives fruits. Because the guy receiving was pure. Now you look at the next one. Unethical, untrusting, give to similar person. Bad, bad. So good, bad, bad, good, and now you have bad, bad. Look at what the Buddha said. The gift is not very fruitful. Not meritorious. Everybody just go away like nothing happens. But the last one, the last two are beautiful. Good man, give to a good person. Everyone believe in it. Abundantly fruitful. Compounded interest. We all love the word compounded interest, right? A Singaporean is like that one. <laughs> Look at how merry everyone is now. Yeah? So you all remember when you give must be ethical. Huh? But the last one is the most beautiful. A practitioner of the first order. A passionate one. A practitioner of the first order. Giving to another, his brother practitioner, his sister, her sister practitioner, they give. Trusting heart, absolute faith in the fruit of the gift, that, that deed. The best of material gifts. How wonderful is that? Listening also joyous, huh? Okay, next. This is seven months. Part of the reason why this talk is delivered today is because at the end of this talk, I want to invite all of you to joyously, spontaneously share. And I'm going to give you the reason why. Can our departed relatives receive our merits? This one, two sutta from Anguttara Nikaya, 10.177 with the, the title is With Janu Soni. Okay? The title. And the second one, which is very famous, Peter Watu, is very famous because it's now on the internet. Ruminating happily in the internet. Okay? Peter Watu 1.5 Outside the Wall. Janu Sani, he was a Brahmin. That's why I tell you a bit of story. Brahmin Janu Sani. Amongst the Brahmin, they have a practice, a ritual of giving gifts, performing some ceremony, and, he, and, and they do that. 
It's a very elaborate ceremony. So Brahmin Janusoni asked the Buddha. He wasn't a faith. At that time, he was not a believer yet, eh? when he posed this question to Buddha. Does this gift really help our relatives, our departed relatives? Do they actually receive the gift? Buddha was categorical in his answer. Categorical means yes, no, just give it. No fuzziness. And he was very specific. Yes, if conditions are right. No, if conditions are not. This is significant because Buddha has different ways of answering things. If, if the answer had to be in context, he would have given context. If the answer, there is no good answer, he means not even answer. If the answer in this case is very clear, very straightforward, he will give it to you like that. So therefore, in the Buddha's answer, he was very clear. There are no fuzzy, fuzzy parts in it. You all better know it. That's, that's how he, his mind works. Okay? How are conditions wrong? I don't have... I, 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 the exchange is actually quite long. I'm going to sum it up for you. Basically, he said, any being born, reborn in hell in the realm of animal, human, or dewas, they had their own sustenance and food from that realm. The food that keeps them alive and going in that realm, the food are found in their own realm. Your gift from the human realm doesn't help them. Can't help them because they don't take it from you. Look, you're now human. Are you still receiving gifts from your relatives from a different time? <laughs> no, right? You don't take those anymore, but they don't know that you're here. So they may still be doing the necessary for you. Okay? Gifts will help only those born in Peta realm, and I quote, when their body breaks up, after death, they are reborn in the ghost realm. There they survive, feeding on the food of the beings in the ghost realm or feeding on what friends, colleagues, relatives, kin provide them from here. The conditions there are right. The gift aids the one who lives there. So they do have some kind of sustenance in the ghost realm. Very little, very harsh, quite awful. Because in Sutta, sometimes you come across a story that says they feed on vomit. And then you go, really? This is awful, right? Garbage, trash. So when you, when you share merits, they will feed on that. That's the idea. Outside the wall, I will read to you what the Buddha said. This is actually one of the better translations, clear and easy to read. You find it in Sutta Central. Beings in the ghost world do not farm, herd cattle, trade, buy, sell, use gold or money. They survive on merits shared by humans 
as water that rains on a mountain top flows down to the bottom, so well the merits shared from the human realm reach the beings in the ghost world. In other words, naturally, it will flow without obstacle naturally. Just as streams of water fill the ocean, so well the merits shared from the human world reach the beings in the ghost world. One should share merits with departed beings, relatives, recalling, he gave to me, he worked for me, he was a relative, friend, and companion. In other words, when you share merits, try and recall them properly. Try to recall and say, this is what they did for me. I'm doing this back for them. Okay? Buddha said, weeping, sorrow, and lamentation will not benefit departed relatives in any way. They will remain in the ghost world, no matter how much you cry. The word great king comes in because this sutta was actually delivered to King Vimbisara, the number one king of his time and the Buddha's, one of Buddha's two royal BFF. And this great king was a sotapanna, a very devout follower, and spent many happy hours listening to the Buddha. Okay? The merits, great king, the merits shared from the donations given to the noble disciples of the Buddha will be received by the relatives, the departed relatives, right away. Right away. DHL also not so good. They will enjoy happiness for a long time. Sharing merits with departed relatives is a very good habit to develop for yourself, to cultivate. You have respected departed relatives and supported the monks. By doing this, you have collected much merit, which will result in extraordinary happiness for a long time. By sharing merits to departed beings, you put yourself into credit of happiness for a long time. It's as beautiful as it gets. Now, what if you don't have any departed beings in the Peta realm? You ask, and so did he. Janu Soni asked a similar question. Hey, ancient people very smart, you know. But Master Gautama, then how? If we don't have any there, and Buddha said, how can you not have any there? I, 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 I am uh, paraphrasing. How? Impossible. Because you have lived for such a long time. Meaning to say, you don't remember, they remember you. Humans have amnesia. Spontaneously arising beings do not have amnesia. Okay? Especially the ones in the Peta realm. Because they are in the Peta realm because of attachment. Attachment is one of the reasons holding them to the Peta realm. So the Buddha says, how can? Impossible. Then, then, the really, what you will call, 
incorrigible ones, right? The incorrigible ones. Yeah, 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 but, but hypothetically, which is what he did, hypothetically, if, if, let's say, pretend, pretend, we have no relatives there in the Pitta realm, then how? Where the marriage go? And the Buddha said, even if that was so, the donors will benefit. The Buddha's specific words were, it's never fruitless for the donor. If they give to ascetics and brahmins, you see the Buddha, ascetics and brahmin, he didn't say just give to me, okay? You see this, this kind? Just give to us. He never said that. If you give to ascetics, ascetics and brahmins in the Buddha's time means spiritual seekers. People who are learning and trying to be good, okay? Such as food, drink. So these are basic necessities and conveniences. Conveniences. Then, now I, I, I sum it up, but I put it there so that I, I will remember to tell you the story. So the Buddha was very polite. The Buddha didn't say, suppose let's say you become animal. The Buddha didn't say that. The Buddha said, suppose someone is born an elephant. The word here is an elephant. There they get to have food, drink, garlands and various adornments. In other words, you are one lucky elephant. <laughs> you are an elephant with food and garland. You're a pretty elephant even. Garlands and various adornments. And he went on and he went on. Dog, cat, horse, cattle and so on and so forth. If you transfer merits, even if you were born an animal, you are animal that can get to stay in an air-conditioned room. <laughs> you are one lucky... I mean, look, you know that, right? There are dogs that dig through garbage, eat on the street, strays. Then there are dogs that get to sit on Ferrari. Better than humans. I mean, at best, we are crown of taxis. At best. Or if you're Rolls Royce, it's the bus. The MRT. But these guys get to sit in their own Ferraris, you know? So that's the point. Then, then the Buddha said, if they were born human, they get to enjoy five kinds of human sensual stimulation. What are they? They get to live well. They get to watch movies on 4K, right? 4K. They get to hear sound piping out from the Valais, you know? This nice, beautiful equipment. The best of sound, the best of taste, the best of the Michelin star, no less. No Kopitiam, Kopitiam, you know? Michelin star. So, five kinds of human sensual stimulation. And if they were born Devas, they get to enjoy five kinds of heavenly sensual stimulation. Bottom line, this is also in uh, Petawatu 1.5, the, the one outside the wall. Sharing merits with departed beings is a very good habit to develop, and so on and so forth. I read this earlier already, right? You help, you will get to, you will get to enjoy for your own happiness. Why did, why did he equate happiness with sensual dis stimulation and, and, and enjoyment? Because in our human world, 
if you are not a practitioner, you're a mundane, regular person, that's your happiness. Your happiness is enjoying five sensual stimulation. That's how you will experience life. It's only when you're a practitioner and you're a very serious practitioner and you understand you're doing it with wisdom, then you will not. You will say, uh-oh, Mara's bait, Mara's trap. Otherwise, you will enjoy it. You just go ahead and <laughs> happiness, right? Okay, this is today's message. What must we do? Okay. Number one, going forth for refuge and taking precept. This morning, all score already. <laughs> Everybody this morning scored. Going for refuge, taking precepts. No, wait, wait, wait. I'm making, out of a, I'm making it into a joke. But there are certain points here. Now, first you hear the Buddha's words. There are these eight streams of merits. Streams of the wholesome nutriments for happiness. Bhikkhu Bodhi's translation. Huh? Heavenly, ripening in happiness, conducive to heaven. That lead to what's wished for, desire, agreeable, and so on and so forth. And what are the eight? Precepts. Uh, sorry, refuge. Gone for refuge to the Buddha, to the Dhamma, to the Sangha. Precepts. Abandon destruction of life abstaining and so on. You see, he abandoned, he abstained from destruction of life, from taking things not given, from sexual misconduct, from false speech, and from uh, engaging, or taking intoxicants that are the basis for heedlessness, right? Because he abstained from these five, he gives immeasurable number of beings freedom from fear, enmity, affliction. And therefore, he enjoys immeasurable freedom from fear, enmity, and affliction. Some of you will say, alcohol causing fear? If you are alcoholic and every day you go back beat up your, your kids and wife, they will be terrified of you. The idea here is, when you break these precepts, you are capable of giving a lot of fear to other beings. You, you see, sexual misconduct, fear to that being and the family, your victim and the family. Lying, well, if your lies were to lead to a lot of trouble for people, wouldn't that create a lot of fear? It can be direct impact or indirect impact. So the direct impact would be you kill, you steal. Sexual misconduct, those are the direct impact. Indirect impact, meaning this happened and that happens down the down street, will be the next two. Or if you instigate others to do bad things, by instigating, you're breaking precepts, by the way. Let's say you said, oh, I don't kill. But you do it, you, you, you do it. You're also breaking precepts. Huh? This one is said by the Buddha in another sutta which I don't have here. Okay? It's... Now, then some may ask, 
Why is going for refuge meritorious? You mean just bow, 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 meritorious? Buddha said this, huh? from the same sutta. When one has faith in the Tathagata, unshakable, well-established. This is a faith of one with understanding. Unshakable and well-established will require that you know what the Dhamma is all about. That is understanding. Some understanding at least. But when he used the word unshakable, it is very strong understanding. Okay? And he has virtuous behavior. Love by the noble ones and praised by them. So this is not just about five precepts. This is really about letting go of loba dosa moha, mitigating, coming down, taming loba dosa moha. Loba is greed, dosa is anger, moha is delusion, ignor uh, delusion, foolishness, depending on the translator. When one has confidence in the Sangha, one's view has been straightened out, they say, one is not poor, one's life is not lived in vain. This one actually, this stanza actually is about one who is a practitioner and entered stream or very close to stream or practicing in such a way that your confidence is no longer shaken. Okay? Not blind faith, not just ritualistic bow bow. It is, it is really refuge with all the conviction in your heart, with right understanding and wisdom because, because your faith is anchored on right understanding of the Dhamma, it will cause you to change the way you talk and the way you act and even the way you think. Okay? What other acts are meritorious? And these different suttas. There are these three grounds for making merit. What three? Merit. Make the ground for making merit consisting in giving, consisting in virtue, consisting in mind development. So, dana, sila, bhavana. Bhavana is cultivating mind. Eh? These are the three. And you look at what he said in the verse. This is the verse. Eh? One should train in deeds of merit that yield long-lasting happiness. Generosity, a balanced life, developing a loving mind. By cultivating these three deeds yielding happiness, the wise person is reborn in least, in an untroubled, happy world. Now you know where I got the, the stanzas from. The correlation between having the wholesome mind, wholesome mind, which produce the merits, which translate into happiness for individuals. We are not halfway through yet. We're not halfway through yet, okay? I know it sounds like the end of the talk, right? Oh, sadhu, where we can go, right? We're not halfway through yet, okay? Next. 
Now we go into Dana Sila Bhavana. Dana. What did the Buddha say? I love this stanza, but you look at how powerful it said. And I, I really wanted to bring this to everybody's attention. It's a very powerful statement. If beings knew, as I know, the result of giving and sharing, they would not eat without having given, nor would they allow the stain of meanness to obsess them and take root in their minds. Even if it were their last muscle, the last mouthful, they would not eat without having shared if there was someone to share it with. But because, as beings do not know as I know, the result of giving and sharing, they eat without having given. And the stain of meanness obsesses them and take root in their minds. Can you imagine how powerful this statement is? If you know as I know, that's the Buddha saying, we don't know as he does, as he knows. So we happily do unwholesome. What he say is the impact of meanness, the impact of stinginess is frightful. Frightful. Because, because if it were not frightful, then why would he say it like that? He would say, ah, yeah, you know, they all don't understand. Nah. And then that's it. But he's saying it like this, in this manner, in those words. Okay. Many of us, typically, when we think about merits, there is somehow an assumption that it's dana, right? We, we, not many people know that merits is also about taking refuge, merits is also observing sila. Some do, but not all. Typically, when you think about merits, you think about dana. Okay, dana. Correct, true, true, dana, but not, not equate. That's why I said, not entirely correct, but for most people, it is. Because for most people, for, most, for many people, I won't say most, for many people, they don't have many opportunities for wholesome, holding the line on wholesomeness. For many people, when they get angry, they will scold. When they get upset, they lash out. They don't hold. They don't not hurt people. They don't, even lying, for instance, such an obvious precept, right? I've been asked many times. Every time I give a talk, they'll ask me, white lie count or not? You know, it's like fuzzing the, uh, uh, fudging the truth. Okay or not? Just fudge, fudge a bit. Can or not? Fudge a bit. Cannot! Everything is very firm. There are reasons for these things. So people, they tend not to, they tend to just combine, equate. Merits means dana. And for most people, that's what they do. And I will say, do it. If that's all you know, do it. And there are countless of suttas, countless. Okay, 508 in all, and actually there are more, stressing the importance of performing dana. 
Just by this phrase, it tells you it's critical. Some more. Also important, when you are offering dana, have the correct frame of mind. Never regret. Do not look back and say ayo. Don't aya. <laughs> After dana, don't aya. Okay. Look at what he said. Nine point two about Velama. Uh, you got time? You go back. You read this sutta. It's beautiful. Householder. Someone might give a gift. This conversation is with Anatta Pindika. Okay. Someone might give a gift that's either Cost or fine. Cost or fine means basically some gifts are oh so rich. Those are fine. Some gifts are simple, very basic. Those are cost. Okay, they give it to、so、the attitude. They give it carelessly, thoughtlessly, not by their own hands. Give drapes, recycled gifts. Without consideration for consequences, then whenever the result of that gift manifests, the mind doesn't incline towards enjoying the food, the clothes, the vehicles, the five kinds of sensual stimulation. Can you see this? If your mind, when giving, is not pure. You don't care. Mummy say give, I give. That's it. You don't care. Then even even though that give can create conditions for good life, you don't know how to enjoy it. That's what it means. Number one, don't know how to enjoy. Number two, children, wife, bond servants, employees, workers, don't listen to them. You have no weight. Don't try. Don't pay attention. Don't try to understand. Why? You didn't focus. You also didn't pay attention when you gave the gifts. So in the next, the, the, when the conditions come to fruition, the beings don't listen to you. They also don't pay attention to you. You never pay attention. People don't pay attention to you. So, so that's the idea. Now this one has two parts. I, I just took out the second. But the second part is the other way around. If you do it well. Do it carefully, with attention, attentively. Then you get to enjoy properly, and people pay attention to you. Okay. The next one, they never regret giving away material things. An intelligent, wise person sacrifices like this, faithful. Meaning to say, these are the mental states in the mind when you offer dana. One, you have. Faith. Two, there is a mind of letting go, meaning there is this sense of happily giving, happily giving. Right? Then you are reborn in a happy, pleasing world. Okay. Sila, sila, morality, observing goodness, kindness. So sila. You look at the words, huh? I want to draw you to the attention of the words because this is not your usual five precepts. This is performing unwholesome deeds in three ways: via action, bodily conduct, by your speech, 
and mine. This is the right one. This is the big one. Unwholesome in three ways. You take, you kill, you steal, commit sexual misconduct. Those are unwholesome bodily action. The speech. Now, most of us, most of us sitting down here don't have a problem with one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eh? This one we have to pay attention. That's why I got to bring it to our attention. Okay? False, divisive, hush. Well, the word here, this is Achan uh, Sujato's translation. Nonsensical, but actually it's frivolous. It can also be frivolous. You just talk, talk. This is what you call chit chat. <laughs> we chit chat. You talk, talk. Lah, huh? Now, these four are very regular issues for people. False, already all shades of colour will count as false. The grey, you know, the shades of grey, the whites, because they are greys and white, not black. Regardless, it is still lies. False. Divisive. Now, most of us say, most of us will say, oh, we never do this one, we never divide people. We don't do that. Yeah, but you complain. If you go to someone and say, you know so and so, so rude, you know, he, he was so rude. He did this, 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 this. He's not nice. What did you just do? You just divided whoever had the ill fortune of listening to your words and the guy whom you just slandered. Then you say, but it's not a slander, it's the truth. Let me ask you, when you were conveying your truth, did you have anger? Did you have ill will in your heart? If you had even a smidgen of ill will, just a touch of ill will, then your motivation is divisiveness. Okay? If you could talk bad about one individual to another with even one drop of dosa, we will call it myth, myth, irritant. Just one drop. It means in your mind, you want to vent and you don't care if someone is hurt in the process. You just want to vent. You say, I'm very innocent. I just want to say it, say it. But you're saying it with some torn in the heart. That's the business. Because... I flip it around for you. Would you like it if someone said this about you? In the same things that you say about another individual, do you like it if that is conveyed about you? And then you say, but not like that. Irrelevant. The question is, would you like it? And if your answer is no, then why did you do it? To another. So that's why this has a problem. And a lot of us willy-nilly will do this. Sui sui pian pian, willy-nilly will do this. Harsh speech, everybody can recognize. It's just a degree of harshness. But we all can recognize sometimes the words come out not so nice. Just know, as long as there is akusala and the words come out, then it's harsh speech. Okay? And the last one, nonsensical, 
Pali is Sampapalapa. Sampa, Sampa, right? Sampapalapa, okay? And this one means this. This one is, is really about desire. All of them are motivated by Akusala. Uh, it's, it, all of them unwholesome. And this last one is actually desire. When you sit and you chit-chat, chit-chat, sometimes you feel pleasure. You enjoy the chit-chat, chit-chat, right? So it is about pleasure. And, and, and it could be anything. This is the catch-all. This is the everything not Dhamma comes into this category until we can sieve it out. Otherwise, it comes here. If your words are meant to comfort, console, calm down, then those words don't come here. If the words, if what you are talking helps people to grow, to be wholesome, to be better people, those words do not fall into this category. If the words do not do any of those things, neither comfort nor helpful nor enable people to grow, none of those things, then nine times out of ten, it will fall into this category. Okay? The last three, they're all in the minds and therefore all the more insidious. Covetous. One thing. There is a part in us that, that maybe... Uh, resent or is jealous when someone else is doing it well and then we say, I want that, I want that. Why, why him, not me? Something like that. That's this. That's in the mind and it's this uh, coveting. Okay? Malicious is just ill will. A bit dark, a bit negative, a bit mean. Now, most of us here will say, well, I'm not like that, maybe. But if, if it, is not, it is not your basic character, but sometimes when you see somebody that for whatever reason you don't like or you resent, this might come up. This little bit, this nasty little voice will come out and say, I don't like him, may he, blah, blah, blah. And then your blah, blah, blah is not nice, something like that. It falls into this category. Wrong view, <clears throat> I won't go into <clears throat> details. Think of it this way. This, this actually has its own uh, category, and if we were to give a talk, it's going to be a long talk. In fact, I think I've given a talk on this before. Also hosted by BF on wrong view, so you just refer to that talk. It's called the talk of wrong view, right? So I, I won't go into that. The idea here is this. If you regularly, if you are a regular patron of these 10 actions, come on, then the consequences is an appointment with the lower realms. Okay? That's the idea. If you do none of the above, but you are content, you're kind-hearted, you, have, you hold responsible, right views. Then when it's over, when this life is over, the body breaks up. You look at how the Buddha says it. The body breaks up after death. Reborn in the human realm, and he goes on into the Dewa realms and all. Okay, I, I just take a sample of it. 
I stress, not the occasional Akusala episode, not, not one-off. I'm actually a very nice person, but once I score someone. Okay, so it's not like that. It's a mind that becomes like that. That it becomes a baseline. Okay? Bhavana. Just four, four points here. Cultivation of the mind for wholesomeness and wisdom. Really, bhavana, the word actually means developing. The idea here is to develop. So you are developing when you make effort to develop your mind towards less loba, less dosa, less greedy, less angry, more wholesome. Any effort along that line counts as cultivation for wholesomeness. So you actually make effort in daily life to act with restraint. Loba dosa moha, greed, anger, delusions, wrong views, ignorance, that kind of thing is very typical, it's very habitual. So any one time when you, you feel that I want to understand the Dhamma better, I want to know what the Buddha teach, whether you go onto YouTube, you read books, you engage in Dhamma talk, not Sampa talk with friends, those will count as efforts to cultivate. Then if you sit around and you share and you help others, or with generosity, you stand for them. They are, you see, you look at the second line, I say, dana, sila, bhavana are synergistic. What it actually means is this. They're not exclusive. They come together. Because when you are giving dana, you're acting with restraint on greed. You're learning to let go of unwholesomeness. By giving dana with the correct men mental state, by acting with restraint, you put these two together, that's cultivation. So actually, the three of them are together. They are not, they are not separate. I take them separately to help you understand what each, what each of them is. But you put them together, they are actually as one. They are one state. If you're doing dana with understanding and you act with restraint on hurting people, and what are those? Cultivating wholesomeness. And if you're doing this, and you align that to the teaching of the Buddha, that is cultivating wisdom. Align it to the teaching of the Buddha. Whatever that you do, do with understanding. When you put them all three together, collectively, you will experience great happiness on really daily basis, on a daily basis. On a daily basis, if you are instinctively generous, you instinctively learn to let go of the unwholesome and cultivate wholesome. This point about cultivating wholesome is very critical. Cultivating wholesome doesn't end with, I'm generous, full stop. It's also that last point, Brahma Vihara. In daily life, be meta, have compassion, learn to embrace others. Do not keep dividing me, you, us, them. That's not good. You want to embrace, you want to bring people together because look, when everyone sees each other's perspective, you can live harmoniously. If you keep maintaining, I'm right, he's wrong, you are just going to create conditions for conflict, agitation, aggravation. How is that helping anybody? 
So the teachings of the Buddha really gear people towards harmonious living. A, a sense that we are all in this samsara together. So you keep tweaking your mind to see others as you would others see you. You want to develop empathy, develop a sense of being together, being, being one with every... Yeah, it's a disrupt. Being with each other, that this connection, the connection is important. Doing that actually makes your mind softer, gentler, lighter, and then you go into Baba, the real, the actual meditation. You want to do meditation? The mind has to be soft. If the mind is hard, if the mind is hard, your meditation will start, stop, start, stop. Like a car that it's at the end of the 20-year COE. It will start, stop, start, stop. Okay? Can I just check? Are you, do you all need a break? Should I continue? Continue, huh? The fun part is coming up. Ah. This is very straightforward. Bhavana, remember I was saying that bhavana is mental cultivation, metta. Metta bhavana, it's a very powerful cultivation. So you actually learn to see the world as together and everyone is like an extension of your family. You feel for people you will spontaneously embrace people. That's the idea, okay? Having cultivated for seven years a mind of loving kindness, for seven aeons, Buddha, this is from Buddha, I did not return to this world. He became a Brahma, he became a great Brahma, he was 36 times Saka, king of the Tabantimsa heaven. He was many hundred times a leader of men. Okay, so his loving kindness, seven years practice, translated into many lifetimes, many lifetimes of being a leader amongst men and gods. That's the idea. So a practice of seven, life, seven years, pure metta. Now, ours is seven seconds. Seven minutes. Then on a really good day, really good day, splattering seven hours. Staccato style. Buddha said, whatever grounds there are for making merit productive of future birth, all do not equal a 16th part of the mind release of Loving kindness. In other words, a mind release. It's, it's not mind release of, uh, it's mind release, which is loving kindness. Loving kindness, you see, for you to actually experience metta pure and surging, you have to let go. Actually, you have to drop, drop thoughts, just let be, feel the metta energy and just go with the metta energy. Don't think. Once you start to do discrimination and distinction, the meta energy goes like that. Then it goes and it goes. It, it, it doesn't, it's not smooth. 
Okay? It's making cakes with lumpies, with lumps. With an uncorrupted mind pervades just one being with loving thoughts, he already made merits. Meaning to say, huh? Say you go out of this, you know, when the talk is over, then you must quickly, quickly go off, right? When the talk is over, you all quickly, quickly go off. Right there as you go off, right? One person you look and you meet out of her. Marriage made already. That's what it means. You don't even have to work very hard. You go up the bus, you meet out of somebody, you know, just may you be well and happy. With all sincerity, yeah, please. <laughs> may you be well and happy with all sincerity. That's generating wholesomeness in the mind. That's generating that. That's marriage already. How easy is that? No need money on. So easy. A noble one produces an abundance of merit by having a compassionate mind towards all living beings. So when you get into very smooth flow of meta, meta becomes your second nature. That's when you really go all beings everyone just like that and then you just go around and as you generate meta you generate merits okay it's like a battery a eh? solar panel battery so solar panel is your meta that creates the battery how does merits affect rebirth specific examples okay paraphrase from Anguttara Nikaya 8.36 activity. And this was dis- delivered to monks. Look at how he said it. Huh? This, is, this is really cutting it very cle- clearly for us. Practice giving. Someone practice giving to a limited extent. Cheapskate one. Limited extent. Virtuous behavior to a limited extent, does not meditate, no mental cultivation. After death, reborn among human, unfavorable condition. Now, he has merits. Just a bit, meow. Okay, a bit stingy. Giving to a little, limited extent. Virtuous behavior, meaning, meaning, this is the, White lies, white lies, and then do, I don't know what else they do. Maybe a bit of smacking of cockroaches, smacking a bit of this, this, this. Then not so, not so clean, you know, habits. I feel like scolding, scold, scold people. Uh, virtuous behavior, limited extent. There's not many, he's reborn as a human, but not comfortable. Okay? More giving to a middling extent. Eh? More virtuous. Uh, the same thing. The more virtuous, again, he puts there, to a middling extent. Also doesn't meditate. After death, reborn, amongst humans, more favorable condition. Human birth only. Okay? Then the last one. Giving to a superior extent. It's very giving. Virtuous to a superior extent, meaning five precepts, wholesome speech, wholesome mind. Reborn. I said in all seven sense-based heavens, actually, if you go to the Sutta, Buddha goes one by one. 
the the four the four um, heavenly kings heaven right the four heavenly kings Tawatimsa Yamawa Tusita and it goes on all seven of them all listed here okay so the most superior superior means you will go up into the Deva realms okay as long as there is no real meditation rebirth will be in the sensual realms and in the sensual realms it would be human and above the devas these are all deva realms it's still sensual i want to stress this huh? dana sila are the drivers of rebirth and conditions of life drivers of rebirth means when you pass on from here to the next that is the rebirth process and then when you are there in that realm what kind of conditions you have so dana determine the conditions of life sila determines the condition of arising i will show that to you in a while okay eight kinds of rebirth on account of the, oh this is this is very specific this one you all will love even though the lines are a lot oh many many words but you will love this okay you listen listen to it you give gifts gives the first part says gifts give to ascetic brahmins food drink and whatever whatever the, the all the the things that you can think of giving gift huh? whatever he gives he expects something in return in other words Buddha was saying that generally when people give something there is a part in him that makes aspiration it is not that he's all right I've given 5,000 what's my 5,000 worth of merits it's not like that it's not transactional he's just saying that when someone has given something we all do that right we'll make aspiration may this be the condition cause and condition for my my practice and so on and so forth so there is a part in us that after we give we pay, pay respect and then we say hopefully this helps something like that even that is expecting something in return so don't don't look at it negatively there is nothing wrong right he sees a fluent now in his time chatiya ketiya katiya brahmins householder enjoying themselves endowed with the five objects of sense pleasure then it occurred to him after this life may i be reborn there in the companionship with the affluent Katiya's Brahmin's household. So you see the words, huh? He sets his mind on this. He fixes his mind on this. He develops his mind on this. Three things. I want it. I try and get it. I want, I see these guys being very rich. Hopefully, I can join them. Yeah, this is the idea here. This very rich, and hopefully I can join them. So this man thinks about it. He thinks about it. With that aspiration of his, resolve on what is inferior, not develop higher, will lead to rebirth there. Then you go, resolve on inferior. Resolve on inferior means you want to be reborn again, ma? as long as in our mind we seek a rebirth 
that seeking in itself is inferior. Superior means Nibbana. Okay? So don't see inferior no up. It merely means arising. Only the, the really wise ones will go for superior, Nibbana. Okay? So, as long as he wants a rebirth, if I were to paraphrase it in a politically correct way, it's as long as you seek a rebirth. With the breakup of this body, after death, he is reborn with them. But this is for one who is virtuous, not for one who is immoral. The heart's wish of one who is virtuous succeeds because of his purity. What's the significance of that? And then this one goes on. Eh? Reborn in companionship with the Dewas ruled by the four great kings and the Buddha repeat the whole thing. To sum up, over this whole stanza of, of Sutta, the whole discourse, Buddha was saying, you do dana if you do dana with all the purity and then in your mind you seek a rebirth in either human realm or the higher realms as they was. And your mind is always saying, I want to go there. I want to go there. I want to go there. Your mind keeps saying that. Then as long as you are virtuous, meaning sila-wise, you are pure. You're clean. If your sila is clean, it's good. Then you will get it. And I, I sum it up, expiration directing rebirths works all the way to the Brahma heavens. Here there's no mention of meditation at all. Huh? Here it's just if you give, your sila is pure, your mind is very pure, the aspiration, your aspiration, your desire can take you to all the way to the Brahma heavens. This is said by the Buddha. Okay? So, what's the moral takeaway of this, this sutta? Don't shortchange yourself. Don't shortchange yourself. If in this whole life you have been giving and you have observed precepts, and by and large you are above national average, above national average, meaning you can't restrain your anger, you don't always scold, 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 you are generally a nice giving person. At the end of this life, you can aspire for a Dewa birth. Do not shortchange yourself. Don't, don't lie down there and say, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. You are good enough. You have done well enough. Don't instead be frightened, be worried, be agitated because those will be your stumbling blocks. You must say, I have faith in the Buddha Dhamma Sangha. I have done, I've lived this life righteously. I have done well. May these be the cause and condition for a better rebirth. In fact, I will get you guys really happy 
you go read some, you turn Nikaya first and second chapter, entire chapters, many dewas, many dewas. After they became dewa, they come back and look for Buddha. They, they went back to look for Buddha and they report for duty, Buddha. And then they, the Buddha says, do I know you? Yes, Buddha, I was so and so. Just let you know, Buddha, I'm now born in this Dewa realm and I'm in this realm. <laughs> and then the Buddha said, was that where you want to go? And they say, yes. We have been giving dana all our life, hoping that we will be reborn there. And they got their wish. And then when they got it, out of gratitude, they came back to the Buddha to say thank you. And it's captured in Samyutta Nikaya. Dewa Samyutta, Dewa Putta Samyutta. Chapter 1, we're talking about a whole section. No? There are many suttas there, many discourses, many exchanges. And many of these dewas will be singing and in verses and all, talking about it's because of their dana in life that got them there. Thank you for the teaching. We are so grateful. So for those of you who had been kind, good, very decent people, don't worry. Have faith in yourself. Okay? So that's why I said this one you will like. Ah, this, this one is really quite cute. Look, there's so many suitors, right? So, yeah, it's very hard. <laughs> we have to pick and choose, you know? This is a conversation between the Buddha and a Kosalan princess, Princess Sumana. Okay? Sumana asked the Buddha, this is where you, you, play, you play word game with the Buddha. Two people, two disciples. Disciples means they're both having equal in faith. Two disciples, huh? Equal in faith, equal in moral practices, ethics, and wisdom, but differ in only one point, dana. Would there be any difference in the manner they are reborn? Yes. If they were reborn in heaven, the one who is a giver, other class, would surpass the other in five respects. Divine lifespan, beauty, happiness, fame, authority. Meaning, uh, his life is longer, he's good looking, he's a happier one, and he has fame because others will know him. This is the one with the million-dollar check. <laughs> so he's famous. And he has influence. He has authority. Okay? If they'll return as human, same thing. Lifespan, beauty, happiness, fame, and authority. If they become monks, this is the cute one. Monks, Buddha said. You see, I use Bhikkhu Bodhi's translation, right? I switch. It's because Bhikkhu Bodhi's translation is very detailed. The generous one, having gone forth, would surpass the others in five ways. He gets a robe specially prepared for him. Okay? Specially offered to him. Seldom one that was not offered to him specifically, meaning hand me down. Okay? Second one, he will eat arms food specially offered to him. Not the ones, seldom ones, that had not been specially prepared for him. So he also, as a monk, because of his generosity, 
he gets to enjoy the fruits in this way. He gets rope, special robes, specially prepared food, specially prepared lodging, specially prepared medicine, not, not generic medicine, huh? top-end good medicine. And as he lived amongst his brother monks, his fellow monastic, they will behave agreeably by body, speech and mind with him. Seldom quarrelsome, seldom had given him problem. Okay? So, the last one. But if they're both arahan, no difference. Their taste of Nibbana sin. So, take away. Sila affects realm of arising. Dana determinant of life's condition. Can you see the difference? Whether you end up as lower realm, as a human, or in the upper realms, the Dewa realms, sits with your sila, your wholesome mind. The more wholesome, the more assured of a higher, better, less painful rebirth. The more unwholesome, the more The more unwholesome, the more may you be well and happy. Good luck. Dana will set the conditions of your arising, your lifespan, your looks, the kind of engagements that you will have with others, the opportunities that you will have in life. Good conditions, bad conditions sits on your generosity. Okay? affect conditions for cultivation and practice. See the monks? See the monks? Easier practice or harder practice depends on whether or not the person had given in a different time. But does not affect much wisdom and taste of liberation. It affects in an indirect way, but not directly. Indirect, perhaps, in the sense that you're infant. If you had been giving, and you'd been very kusala, you have had many wholesome relationships, then when there is an another arising, perhaps there will be help coming your way. Easier to get help. You, need to, you want to learn Dhamma, you want to learn Dhamma. Ah, guess what? A monk has shifted next to your house. Something like that, you know? Because you have been doing dana in lives. Then when you're ready to go for the big thing, guess what? Government approved this segment to be made into a wonderful century for practitioner. You don't have to take MRT. You walk next door. <laughs> wonderful conditions for practice. But whether or not you understand, then it depends on a different set of things. Your, your money cannot buy you wisdom. But it can buy you nice condition for practice. Okay? People practice in a hot sun, you practice in an air-conditioned room. Ah, like that. Okay? Our prayers and chanting meritorious, can we pray for merits? This is a conversation between the Buddha and Anatta Pindika. And the Buddha said, humans... Generally, they wish for these things, long life, beauty, happiness, and so on. 
and rebirth in heaven. This is the one that is different. And rebirth in heaven. But they are not easy to get, Buddha said. And they are not, these five things are not obtained by prayers or aspirations. If they were, who here would be lacking in anything? What does it mean? If you can just pray and get, then everybody can get. Anybody can get. Who here would be lacking in anything? If this was where you just pray, you will get. Everybody can get. That's, that's his point. Okay? So then what? The noble disciple who desire long life, don't, don't, ought not to pray for it, yearn for it, passively yearn for it. Just, I want long life. I want long life. You should practice the way conducive to long life. For when he practices the way conducive to long life, it leads to obtaining long life. He gains long life, either celestial or human. What is this? The way conducive to long life. And it's the same for all. If you want beauty, you practice the way conducive to beauty. You want happiness, you practice the way conducive to practice. In other words, there is a method, there are things to do, proactively you do, that is the way. Heedfulness in doing deeds of merits. Buddha say one. For one desiring long life, beauty, fame, acclaim, heaven, high families, lofty desires, Falling succession. You want all of these things? The wise praise heedfulness in doing deeds of merits. What are deeds of merits? The refuges, the precepts, upholding wholesomeness, dana, metta, cultivation of mind, cultivation of wholesomeness. You want to get it for free? No, you have to work for it. That's what it says, the idea here. Because pray is easy. You take three joysticks, you put pray. That's easy. But hold your tongue when you are getting a bit agitated. That's hard, right? Holding your, your, your tongue, you know, not letting your akusala to run away. That's hard. But that's what works. Oh, yeah. FAQ. Uh, chanting the meritos. No. Can we pray for merit? No. <laughs> no and no. According to this sutta. Okay? Now, we're going to conclude three stories. Very fast now. Huh? Three stories. Story of rope offering by Mahaprachapati uh, Maha Gautami to the Buddha. Now, Mahaprachapati Gautami, you know their relationship? His stepmother. Okay? And this is very cute. cute. This is a long sutta, uh, quite a long sutta. It's in the Majima Nikaya. This is the one that I said, Dakina Vibanga Sutta, 142, Majima Nikaya 142. Earlier on, if you recall, how do the merits work? I showed you two slides. There was this short one on the side. This is where it comes from. This is the one. And the story goes like this. 
Mahaprajapati Gautami, she was so grateful to the Buddha that she hand-sewn, hand-sewn a rope for Buddha and she offered it to him. Then the Buddha said, offer it to the Sangha. Then she went, no, I offer it to you, Buddha. Buddha said, offer it to the Sangha. And she went, no, I offer it to you. Because for her, you see, for us, right, for us, we also have that kind of attachment, right? So Buddha says, offer it to the Sangha. No, Buddha, I want to give you. That's the idea. Then Ananda interjected. You know, Ananda is always there. And he can't put Sun Yen, right? He must add his, his persuasion. Buddha, she is your stepmother. She nursed you from her breast. She looked after you when you were young. Da, 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 da. Then, the, then, then, so the, and, 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 and because she's so grateful to you, so she wanted to give you this. Why you don't want to take from her? <laughs> then the Buddha had to explain, and this is his explanation. He said, okay, uh, this, part, this, this is not the end. There are two, two, two slides, too two long, uh, two slides. So here, uh, he, Buddha explained to Ananda, the gift to an animal you can, the, re, the return is a hundredfold. The gift to an unethical, ordinary person, so not nice person, and you're pure, because the assumption here is you're a pure person giving. Right? The return, one thousandfold, compound interest. An ethical, ordinary person, the return, a hundred thousandfold. Then Bante gave up already. He wrote it in numbers. To an outsider free of sensual desire, meaning to say, this is a good practitioner, but he's not practicing by the Dhamma. 10 million? 10,000 million? 10,000 10, million? Four, okay? To a gift, a, a, a gift to someone practicing to realize a fruit of stream entry. Fruit of stream entry means the person is already on the path. The return, incalculable, immeasurable returns. How much more so a gift to Sotapana, Sakadagami, Anagami, Arahata, Pachika Buddha, the Buddha? So you just go and compound, compound. Immeasurable, 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 immeasurable. Okay, that's the idea. But that's not the end of the story. The story is here. In times to come, there will be members of the spiritual family, i.e. the Sangha. They are there just because they're wearing the robes. But they're not, they're unethical and they're bad character. But people giving gifts to even these guys in the name of the Sangha. Even then, that donation is incalculable and immeasurable. There is no way a personal offering can be more fruitful than one bestowed on a Sangha. That's the point. That's why he told his stepmother, Offer it to the Sangha. Buddha can use, but offer it to the Sangha. Don't offer it to the individual. 
What's your takeaway from this story? For me, personally, so you, you reflect on the story, right? And all of you, I don't know how many of you here, the, the few of you here will have your own takeaway, personal takeaway, right? This is my takeaway. We live in a blessed age because we still have great, the greatest of practitioners living amongst us, right? And they are part of your sangha. So you're not looking at bad people. You're looking at sangha, great practitioners who walk that path. Our duty must be to support them. Because if you support sangha, you keep the dhamma going. No sangha, no dhamma. What's left? No one you can see practicing well. You want to keep these people going. You want to keep the momentum going. Because if it's too difficult to practice, it will get, you will have lesser and lesser sangha. Do not spend your time complaining about the bad ones. They are bad. Don't dana there. But dana, dana, there are so many good ones for you to dana. There's so many great practitioners. It's not just the practitioner. It's the, the system that they have created, the monastery that they have created, the refuge, the forest sanctuary that they have created. Those are the ones you want to gear your money towards because only when it goes there will they flourish. So lay Buddhists, because it's not just this lifetime, uh, unless you're so sure you're ending. Uh. You nibbana this life, they're okay, law. So be it, law. But if we are more modest, and we all are very modest, it ain't going to end this life, right? We're going to come back again. Do your part to keep the Dhamma going so that when we come back for round two, <laughs> we have connections do all these centuries and we can go practice. Do you understand that? Huh? So this is called forward planning. <laughs> Story number two. It's called, I, I call it the dana of Welama. But uh, the, the sutta type topic is this one. Anguttara Nikaya 9.20 about Welama. Okay? I know you all oh, read so many words, must read faster. Scheme would do. <laughs> the idea here is this Brahmi Wei Lama was the biggest of all dana. None of us, I can almost guarantee, none of us here, however generous, would have given 84 gold trays filled <laughs> with silver and gold and copper and leopard skin and tiger skin. None of us, okay? Just scheme would do. The idea here is he gave so much you cannot imagine. Please turn over for punchline. Okay, the punchline is here. Please turn, PTO, turn over. Now, so you start off with the highest, this Lama's dana, right? So big, so much. We cannot match. Ah, yeah, but you don't have to match. Buddha said, 
it is more fruitful than the 84,000 times, times, times to feed one sotapana, stream enterer. Okay? Then the Buddha said, it's more fruitful to, to feed one sakadagami than 100 sotapana. And then now go fast. Huh? You can, so, so the story is very simple. One Nagabi, 100. One Arahan, 100. Eh? You just go on, go on. Ah. More fruitful to feed one Sama Sambuddha than a hundred Pachika Buddha. So, right up until here, we are still, we are still talking about dana. Feeding. Lunchtime. Okay? Sangha. More fruitful to, to feed Sangha. More fruitful to build a dwelling especially for Sangha of the four quarters. How beautiful is this? So for those of you who had done it recently, the construction of a Sangha property in Africa, sadhu to you. Okay? But look at this one. More fruitful to go for refuge. Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha with a confident heart. This point here means this. You have understood, or at least, at least you have, understand, have understood something about the teaching, something about what he taught had touched your heart. That is why you said going for refuge doesn't mean you're turning to them for help. It means what will bring you happiness, what will calm your mind, you know the answers are found there. So you go to the teachings, you go to the practitioners for help in unknotting the knots of your mind. That's what it means. More fruitful to undertake the precepts more fruitful to be a virtuous person. So if you had not done a, the above following, right? I mean, in our, in our life, very hard. No Buddha, no Pachika Buddha. <laughs> we are left with Arahan, like a bit not so great really. Eh? So because, because, because we are Singaporean, we're very competitive. We want to do, do the best. Find a Buddha somewhere, find a Buddha somewhere. Right? But precepts, be a wholesome person. Be as wholesome as you can, even better. Look at the Buddha's imagery. Develop metta even for just as long as it takes to pull a cow's udder. Udder? Udder? Udder. How long does it take to pull? Like that only. For that duration, you have one, that duration of metta. Wow, better than feeding Buddha. Leh. <laughs> no, it boggles the mind, right? It really boggles the mind. But look at the last one, the most beautiful of them all. More fruitful to develop the perception of impermanence for as long as a finger snaps. 
than to do all of the above. Wisdom. So you want to see this? You want to take picture? Take picture? Okay. At least you must like, 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 credit my effort, lah. You know, type, 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 type. <laughs> okay. The final, final slide. Huh? Cultivation of wisdom inside trumps the highest merits inside awakening. It's the highest merits. Why? Why are these the highest, highest merits? Because merits fundamentally are about happiness. One who sees the Dhamma, who realizes, who tastes the Dhamma, who realizes the liberation will experience cessation of dukkha. Nothing left. No dukkha whatsoever. That is why. That is why wisdom, awakening, insight, they are all, all the highest of merits. And I can tell you this. For, practice, for those of you who have been practicing, right? Let me ask you, would you trade your treasure for all the insights that you have, have had? You will trade it. The insights that you see, right? You will say, it's okay. If I don't have a chance to earn money, it's okay. The insight, I'm happy. Because the money is for you in this lifetime, the insights will follow you into future lives. You do not lose insights. You may forget. Because why? We are forgetful. You may forget, but you never lose it. It will come back. Under the right conditions, your insights that you have had will arise in future lives. But your DBS account cannot bring. Sorry, no cross-border. Merits, in fact, there is one sutter which I forgot to put in here. Buddha was very cute. He said, merits can't be stolen. Whereas, whatever that you have earned and you have stored and you have locked, you do realise you cannot bring along, right? Oh, that reminds me, I'll tell you a joke afterwards. Remind me, huh? the joke. Okay, then, then, this is the third story. Final, final story. It's called Bilala Padaka. Bilala Padaka actually, it's, it's the name of an individual in there. And the, the name actually means cat paws. Number Padda 122. Story goes like this. I'll tell you the story. A couple of things here, which is really quite fun. Bilala Padaka was a rich man in the time of the Buddha. He's really rich, but super nyao, super stingy, right? So there was this individual in his village who wanted to organize a dana for Buddha and the monks. And this individual, he's very kind. He went around and he mobilized the villagers. He said, he himself do it, not good. Let's just mobilize the village, everyone here, to have a chance to dana Buddha and the Sangha. How great is that? So he went around knocking door to door, asking for people to contribute, you know. And Bilara Padaka, the super stingy man, grumbled. He said, you want to dana, you dana. Why don't we get all of us involved? <laughs> now I have to give something, right? And I have to give something. So he gave a little bit. Bilara Padaka, cat's ball, refers to the way he gave. He took like that, 
and he put like that. So this is not a lot, right? Now, why is this called cat's paw? Because the cat, if you look at the paw, it's not like that. It's like that. Lah. So that's the idea, okay? And then, then he noticed that this guy separate his offering from the others. Others offering all piled together. But this guy, this stingy man's offering was pushed aside, put separately. So now the stingy man is suspicious. What was this guy going to do? Maybe, because he's not a nice guy, right? Maybe he's going to reveal to everybody, look at how stingy he is. He gave only like that. <laughs> so he took a knife. He was going, he went to attend the ceremony of the dana. He took a knife with him. He dared to say my bad word. I stabbed him. He was all ready to commit murder, okay? This guy, this is what he did. He took the dana that this man gave. Now, he prepared a lot of dishes, right? For the Buddha and Sangha. In every one, he put a bit of this guy's dana. In every one. Then, on the day, on, on, when the ceremony came and he announced to the Buddha, this guy inviting the Buddha to partake, this is what he said. Buddha, this is our communal offering. All of us contributed to this. Big or small, doesn't matter. We came with confidence, faith. We came with faith and generosity, Buddha. May you partake and may, okay, and then it goes on. Cause and conditions for all of us. All of us. So because this is this communal, gigantic offering, they are all blessed. He wanted this guy, he wanted to help this guy get maximum return from his blessing. <laughs> from his post, maximum return. Oh, this guy was so apologetic. He felt so remorseful. And then he was like, his, his conscience was striking him. So he went to apologize. And then the Buddha heard the story and said to re recite this phrase. One should not think lightly of doing good. Imagine, a little will not affect me. Just as a, flower, a water jar is filled up by falling drops of rain, so also the wise one is filled up with merit by accumulating it little by little. It's a reminder that we should all live life meritoriously. Our daily life must be a credit to our teacher. The way that we live must be a credit to our teacher. As much as possible, we must honour, uphold the ma, and follow in the footsteps of the Sangha. By Sangha, I am only talking about Buddha's Sangha, practitioner's Sangha. Not the man in yellow or robe or what, but really the Sangha that embraced his teaching and walked that path righteously. Okay? That is living a life with no regrets. Okay? Thank you, Cecilia. Oh, the joke! Oh, wonderful talk. <laughs> there was, this is 
not the man anymore. Huh? This is a joke. There was this rich man, super rich and super stingy man, who cannot who to let go of his wealth. So he told his wife, when I die, bury all the money with me. Promise. The wife, promise, promise. So the wife said, promise. So okay, no? the day of this, so the day of his funeral, buried and closed coffin and buried. Then the friend asked the wife, did you, did you really bury the well with him? Yeah, of course I did. She's, and the friend said, everything, she, yeah, everything buried. Then it was done, right? She said, yeah, I wrote him a check. <laughs> <laughs> Clever. <laughs> okay, right, question. Huh? Uh, catch. <laughs> oh, some you Five, one. Okay, question? Any question? Yes, uh, thank you, Sister Sylvia. Can I invite any questions from the audience here first? Uh, no questions from the audience? Okay, then let's go to our online questions. Are there many questions? Uh, quite a lot. Quite a lot. We have to try and finish by 1.30. I will okay. keep it short. Okay. Uh, the first question, Sister Sylvia, is what is the difference of sharing of merits and transferring of merits to the departed ones or relatives? My understanding is sharing is for the living ones and transferring is for the departed ones. Your clarification would be much appreciated. Thank you. Actually, I, 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 when I was doing this research, I actually checked out very carefully the word transferring and sharing. I... I didn't come across the Buddha making a distinction. Okay, I'll be very clear. I didn't see. I didn't see in the sutta because of my research. I actually didn't see him making a distinction. And because I didn't see that distinction, I can't say based on the Buddha's teaching what exactly is the difference. I suspect along the line, over time, maybe the differentiation came up. I, I suspect. Instead, I will put it like this. With regards, semantics aside, semantics aside, are sharing, transferring, semantics aside, I will say this. For the deceased, as you have seen, beings of a different realm, the beta realm, clearly the word used was transferring merits, transferring to them. Okay, That, that was how he said it. With regards living, it's a little different. You don't share or transfer as such. The idea is them rejoicing with you. Anumodana, rejoicing with you. When they rejoice in your good deeds, their mind light up. And that in itself, because remember, it's all about the wholesome mind. So you witness another doing merits, transferring merits, you rejoice with them. With someone, not, even if it's not just transferring, they are doing meritorious deeds, you rejoice with them. The rejoicing is meritorious also. So with the living, it is always rejoicing. Now, suppose, let's say, you have people who are dying or people who are very sick and you say you want to share merits. Semantics, the idea is get them to rejoice with you. You must get them to 
realize what you had done on their behalf and then tell them, tell them that what you have done is really beautiful. It will help you in your, whether transition or in your recovery. Or so. The idea is getting them joyous in a wholesome act and from that mental energy of joy, it lights them up, gives them strength, brings them joy. See what I'm saying? And that's how, that's how they benefit from your merits. Okay? Thank you so much. Another question is, what happens when someone thinks that as long as they have performed dana and eating vegetarian, their merits are covered? They have no awareness that their speech and their judgment of others who are not vegetarian is not a practice of right views and right speech. Does this also constitute of not cultivation of wholesomeness? Yes. See, I also can be very categorical. <laughs> no, you see, the Buddha doesn't, the Buddha never judge. But the Buddha would tell you the impact of action. So the, 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 the line to the... the Awareness that I want you to have is this. A mind that is unwholesome is demeritorious. A mind that is wholesome is meritorious. A mind that is unwholesome means a mind that has loba, dosa, moha. Loba, greed, dosa, anger, moha. Uh, delusions, foolishness. You know what does it mean? Suppose, let's say, you perceive that certain actions that you have taken make you righteous, make you superior. Then that mind already has comparison and looking down on others for not having the same level of goodness that you perceive. That mind is unwholesome. It doesn't matter what it is. As long as it's a mind that's unwholesome, can be anything. Uh. Suppose that say, this morning we all bowed and we pay respect and we offered, that, uh, make offerings, right? Suppose that say, some of us didn't bow as low and others were standing and not bowing and then the rest of us who are bowing go, Buddha don't know how to bow. That is unwholesome. You have bowed. You have done meritorious deeds. But you have also been unwholesome in being judging. In being, in being nose looking down, looking down nose of people. That is, that's also unwholesome. So if you are wholesome, it's about the mind. It's not just about what you do. It's about the mind. Another good example my dana, my dana needs the security guard to protect the money. So much, ma, so much. So I, 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 I'm, I'm going to dana this place so much, I need security guard. Can you all witness that I'm bringing all my security guard with the dana? Your dana, how much? $50. <laughs> that is also unwholesome. Your dana so wholesome, but your mind so unwholesome. What's the point? Do you see what I'm saying? Wholesomeness is everything. That's right. Little by little, merits build, merits accumulate. Don't compare. Cost or fine, the offering doesn't matter. Look at that guy. If only like that, 
But this lovely chap helped him to maximize. <laughs> Can be done. Now, his mind wasn't very wholesome when he gave. But because he apologized, he was filled with regret. He turned around. That was the wholesome bit. You see what I'm saying? So, with regard to this question, I know people compare. I chant one hour. You chant how many hours? Five minutes. Seriously, ah. You compare like that is no use. It means the mind is unwholesome. Each to his own practice of wholesomeness. Of wholesomeness. You should just look at the stories in the sutta, the ones where the Buddha explained. He said, even if I take the food, I throw into the water, and I said, may all beings who need sustenance feed there. That's merits. It can be as clean, as pure, as simple as that. Wholesome mind, it makes the difference. Okay? Thank you. Thank you for that. Highly encouraging. Thank you, Sister Sylvia, for your sharing. Sometimes when I give monetary donations, I feel like I'm not doing enough. Like I should be giving more. Uh, does this feeling of inadequacy taint the act of dana? This one cannot categorical already. This one must be in context. The dana itself is not tainted. But your regret makes you... It's the regret that taints, not the dana. The dana is beautiful. Whatever dana that you give with all your wholesome, your whole joyous part, just let it be. Then if you have a regret, it's the regret. It doesn't taint the dana. The regret taints the mind in only so far as you are still holding on to... I should this, I should that, I must be this, I must be that. You have judgment and you pass judgment on yourself. Which means that the pers- your, this person may have a habit of judging. This judging in itself, it's painful. It's, it, that's the one that taints. So you should rejoice. Turn, turn the way the mind talks and I teach you how to turn it. You will say it like this. Every time you give, you say... I'm so joyous for this opportunity. I'm so joyous for this opportunity to give and share. May this be my little drops of merits to accumulate for lives. Just all, little drops. Buddha say little drops, ma? Little by little, like raindrops fill up a vessel. So these are my little drops of merits. And I'm so joyous for this opportunity. Do that. Do that again and again until such time the mind no longer judges you. I know all of us, many of us have this, this thing. We will do that. Don't. Let the merits go. It's beautiful as it is. Remember? Animal, 100 fold. <laughs> Evil man, 1,000 fold. Tell yourself that. All these little folks. I, I introduced you not for you to bring out a calculator and start calculating. That wasn't my intent. My intent is to give you, to inspire and gladden and have you guys going, lovely, how wonderful this is. That's all. Don't bring out the calculator. Okay? Thank you, Sister Sylvia. May I remind everyone, please do not bring out the calculator for our Dana box outside. Okay, thank you. Another one is, I can... She's on a road. I'm sorry, could record this past relatives, this life relatives, and not all past life relatives. Will past life relatives be able to rejoice in the merits too? Yes. 
if you add on the word all past lives, right, they need your invitation. You want to invite. They all cannot come and, hello, hello, I, I belong here also. Like, I belong here. See, all my past life relatives, they will all come. So please, when you do transferring of merits, say that line. May the ones I remember and all past life's relatives, then they all can come and partake. Okay? Thank you. One is sloth and torpor during meditation. Is there still merits to share at the end of the ses session? Have. Effort counts. <laughs> effort counts. Hey, this is called bhavana. This is an effort at cultivation. Of course, your cultivation effort by your standard, a bit no standard. Lah. Because we are very, we are very, um, we are very, how do you say, um, high achievers. Right? In our high achieving mind, if it's not jhana, it doesn't count. No, all effort count. By even sitting, earlier, earlier, we all went through a very short sitting, right? And for those of you who sat quietly and followed instruction and feel a little bit of joy, that counts. That's seven minutes. I was looking at the time. Seven, eight minutes. And that's it. Even that counts. You do a very good session of sitting, bowing before the Buddha, and at the end of it, you're, you're filled with gratitude. That's merits. Share. You can share. After your chanting, you say, may all beings be able, may my past relatives be able to partake in the merits of one session of bowing. Everything that you do, share. Good enough. Okay? Yes. Thank you. Yes, we often underestimate the amount of merits we do in one, life, in one day, in fact. Thank you. Is it a wrong <laughs> view or thoughts to just learn, practice, cultivate, develop and walk the Noble Eightfold Path gradually and not be bothered by the deep knowledge of liberation that I am not able to understand now? Yes. It is. Even what little... You will make this aspiration and say, I want to try my best, oh, but I have limited capabilities. You say that. I always say you underestimate yourself, but let's say you say that. I can't, I can't hit the high notes. I can only do the simpler ones. The, the dana, the sila. Hey, that in itself is an eightfold path. That in itself is very meritorious. Do not just judge yourself by others' measures. Don't do that. Whatever acts that brings joy to your mind, that is uplifting, that you know, you know that moment when you feel that joy, that it is so beautiful. Oh yeah, but it is not good enough. Why you do that to yourself? You feel the joy, you feel the joy. It's good enough. Why is that good enough? Do you know how many more millions, millions and billions of people who don't feel that joy? Do you know that? That for that one more five minutes, you sit there and you feel this gratitude, the thankfulness, the contentment, the metta, whatever mental energy that is wholesome, that five minutes that you experience. Buddha was even snap of a finger, pull of the other. Then it was even faster. I, I, I am going by our modern high-end standard five minutes. Buddha was talking about one pull of the other and one snap of the finger. And that's enough. 
What are you talking about? Any, even sitting, even sitting down here, sitting in your, the comfort of your sitting room, your, your bedroom and all, listening to Dhamma, feeling inspired, writing those questions so that others can learn from your questions. Do you know how meritorious that is? Just by writing questions. That doesn't mean the rest of you keep sending in questions. <laughs> that doesn't mean that. But, but even doing that, clarifying your understanding, even doing that is meritorious because you get uplifted. You, you laugh, you joy, you enjoy. Others are learning. For as many minds out there as there are people learning from your question, that's how much, how much merits you have churned. How beautiful is that? Yeah. So, please be inspired to ask questions. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, uh, Sylvia, what is the meaning of the Sangha of four quarters? It means Sangha that comes from everywhere. You are not discriminating. Okay? This phrase, Chattu uh, Disa, Chattu Disa, it's called the four quarters. Chattu is four. This is direction. So four directions was an ancient phrase introduced by the Buddha. And sometime more formal language, you will still say that. All Sangha from all quarters, no discrimination. It's a very beautiful phrase. Okay. Uh, thank you, Sir Sylvia. Looks like that's all from uh, our... That's all. Oh, 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 oh. oh. <laughs> Uh, okay, one final slide. You, you would have heard this many times, but for those of you here, this is your first time listening live. I think by just looking at the text and having listened to the talk and now you're looking at the text, you can now understand why week after week after week I keep introducing this. It's really for all of us to generate merits. And this is a reminder that we need to support, support the Dhamma, support the Sangha, be generous, do the best that you can, and not just money. It's really in terms of service, time, energy. You have a skill, you have expertise that you think the Sangha or charitable organization, spiritual organization needs you offer. It can be very simple. I make very good cakes. Okay, Vesak day, you make more. And dana. You know what I'm saying? S come forward and serve. That's the idea here. And the third line that says, never take for granted the blessings that you have enjoyed. Actually, it's because the merits of our forerunners, our forerunners' merits have brought us here. We are here because they did right. So, you continue to do right for the ones that come after. That's the idea. And because all of us sitting down here had a very joyous session, you have done right today for the ones who come after. May the Dhamma last long. May we continue to support to enjoy supportive conditions 
for learning and practice, and may we never deviate from the true teaching as long as life lasts. This is very important because when you deviate from this teaching, we will lose, lose the knowledge of how to realize cessation of dukkha. We hold on to that so we know how in our mind it learns how to switch off that craving. Okay? And I trust that everyone here is very joyous. We are now going to do sharing of mer- transferring of merits, sharing and transferring. So take one minute, close your eyes, be absolutely joyous. When the leader of the congregation starts we will all be able to share. Shall we now do the closing puja? And let's all put in our best effort into this sharing of merits. Okay, dedication of merits. In Anjali position, let us invite all sentient beings to participate in our acquired merits. Vedeva anumodantu Sabha sampati siddhya Etavata cha amhehi Sampadang punya sampadang Sabbe buddha anumodantu Sabha sampati siddhya Dedication of merits. Let us dedicate the merits of participating in a wholesome Dharma activity to our departed relatives and friends. Itam minyati naho tu sukita ho tu nyatayo Itam minyati naho tu sukita ho tu nyatayo Itam minyati naho tu sukita ho tu nyatayo End of service dedication. I dedicate the merits which I have accumulated to the cultivation of my mind in order to bring happiness and benefits to all sentient beings. I dedicate the merits to my parents, children, spouse, relatives, friends, colleagues and my adversaries, wishing them long life, good health, happiness and prosperity. May we never part from the triple gem and may we always walk the path towards enlightenment. Closing homage, let us pay respects to the triple gem. Arahan Samma Sambuddho Bhagava Buddham Bhagavantam Abhivademi Swagato Bhagavata Dhammo Dhammam Namah 
Katipano Bagawato sa wakasango sangkanamami sadu sadu sadu. sadu.